0: And welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience.
1: And this is Trisha. And I just realized that when this podcast drops on Tuesday, we will have recorded it that nudie asturgeon.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Nudie asturgeon is a fun, fancy way to say the day before yesterday, which is today for Tuesday. So it is. Because yes. it's Sunday. It's Sunday today. Yes.
0: I'm not going to remember that word.
1: Nudia Sturgeon.
0: Nudia Sturgeon. There you
1: go. Say it in a sentence.
0: We are recording this nerdiestution. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well welcome to Addicted to Murder, Israel Keys Part 2. I'm just running over our social media as per usual. Um, you can email us at addictedtomurder addicted at gmail.com. Facebook, addicted to murder Podcast. Instagram, addicted to M podcast, Twitter, which is definitely our least used form of social media, addicted to murder podcast. Um, so yeah, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Give us um, ideas or feedback, or just let us know that you like us because we like you, and we really appreciate um, all of the support we get from you guys. So thank you.
0: Yeah, and we hit a big milestone this week. We did. We hit a
1: thousand downloads. We did. We hit a thousand downloads, and I celebrated it a little bit. Um, I had a glass of wine, maybe two. So,
0: yeah, I celebrated internally a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have different ways of doing things, but that's why we work so well together. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think it's time for question time. Courtney's question this week.
0: Yes. Yes, so my question this week is, um, what is a time when you were younger where you got injured in an embarrassing way?
1: I mean, does it have to be when I'm younger? Because it happens on the regular basis. I mean, it could be now. So, I mean, when I delivered pizza forever, which I think I said last time, um, there was way more than one occasion where I tripped over multiple sidewalks or porches and ate shit right when the people opened the door to get their delivery, and it was always very embarrassing, especially if they didn't tip me afterwards. Oh, yeah. But as far as something when I was little, I don't really remember having any um, big injuries. I'm sure I did, but I kind of have a struggle remembering my past. So, what about you?
0: um Well, one of the ones that comes to mind. Actually, I definitely have some mm-hmm. from when I was younger. But one that comes to mind is the time when I was in, I believe, fourth grade, and I was like super duper tiny. Like I'm not a big person no. now, but I was really. She's small. very sprightly. Yes, I was very small when I was a kid, and. I was riding my bike home from school and it was just kind of a stormy day and the wind literally blew me over (laughs) off of my bike. Were you wearing a helmet? I was wearing a helmet, but I did get scraped up and they thought that I'd broken my elbow. Oh. But I hadn't. It was just a weird line on the x-ray. Oh. But I did have some rocks embedded in my skin that they had to take out.
1: That sounds not very fun. No. Were you in front of your friends?
0: I wasn't. Fortunately, everyone else was like, it's stormy. Go inside. Oh, So right. I wasn't around anyone. But
1: Sometimes you have to just say, screw you weather. I want to go out and play on my bike today. Take and chances. I mean, really,
0: I was just coming home from school. Oh, okay. Because we didn't have school buses in that town because it was too small.
1: Dang. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's okay.
0: But I still have a scar on my elbow that reminds me <laughs> of it all the time.
1: <laughs> nice oh I the only scars I have are I've given myself stitches twice one when I was cutting up an avocado and I went to stab the pit and it went all the way through to my hand and then the other one when I was opening a bottle of wine the top of the wine bottle just like literally broke off in my hand I had to get stitches for both those things wow that's it that's mm-hmm. all I've no broken bones or any other stitches just stupid things I've done to myself as an adult as an adult all right well good question Yeah.
0: I feel like I know a little bit more about you. Me too. All right. Well, we are going to get into Israel Keys part two, Um, but just a kind of a quick overview of part one. Um, I'm going to keep it really short. So we've got Israel Keys. He was raised by a fundamentalist Christian family slash Mormon. At the beginning. Yeah. Kind of both Mm -hmm. in a tiny secluded cabin in the woods. Um, in the middle of nowhere in Washington. Uh-huh. He is growing up, taking care of all of his younger kids, finding and playing with guns, uh-huh. torturing animals, uh-huh. scaring everybody, uh-huh. stealing a lot of things, right, and generally disappointing his family.
1: Right. And he's becoming more and more reclusive and withdrawing. Yes. Partially because he just wants to be alone to do what he wants to do and not get in trouble
0: which is shoot guns and torture Mm -hmm. animals exactly
1: yep okay so we did end um last time with saying that israel um ended up going into the armed forces i believe so just to say prior to israel heading off to the army he did start to date his boss's daughter in Coville. He was 18 at the time, and he was still very conflicted about his sexual feelings and how that was contradictory to his religious upbringing. Um, In his journal, he would have things like, I had sinful thoughts today about my girlfriend written down, and the same pages were covered in scripture and Bible verses. So it was sort of apparent he was trying to figure out his natural urges and how that could fit in with his belief system. And his mother found his journals and found out about the relationship and declared that Israel could only write letters to his girlfriend going forward. She forbade him to see her in person or on the phone. I don't know that they had a phone, but um, she forbade him to have any other kind of um, interaction with her. So Courtney, I'm getting a little bit of a Ted vibe here. So remember Ted Bundy said he had no idea how to talk to women. Israel was so sheltered for so long and seemingly so ensnarled in his feelings and his religious upbringing um, that he he was just confused. That's what it appears to me. Do you have any insights that might help us understand Israel at this time?
0: You know, this is one place where Israel really was probably pretty naive. You know, for most of his life, his only relationship role models were his parents and their marriage was definitely not typical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he possibly spent years of his life having never really met or inter- interacted with another woman that wasn't related to him. Um, you know, we don't know how much contact they had with sort of the the city of Colville and things right. like that when he was growing up. Right. And so, you know, it's also safe to assume that he did not have any sort of exposure to the kind of media that teaches the rest of us about dating or sexuality. Like, Movies or books or access to pornography or anything like that. I mean, they didn't even have a phone or running water sometimes. Um, So then you just sort of add that with the religious part of his upbringing, which was, you know, very conservative around sexuality. And he probably experienced a lot of confusion, confusion and shame.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really think about the fact that, you know, he really wasn't around other, besides perhaps people in his church, um, other women besides those in his immediate family. And, you know, he probably only was exposed to, to this woman because it was his boss's daughter. So maybe she came around, you know, because I think he did construction or something like that. But mm-hmm. anyhow, makes sense. When Israel was 20, that's when he magically enlisted into the army. So remember, we said that he did not exist on paper. So it it's bizarre to me that the army took him but they did for you know whatever reasons we can only speculate Um, but he was still very naive when it came to modern living in some ways he had never drank alcohol or smoked cigarettes or watched football or he didn't know who famous movie stars were or he didn't know who musicians were um like nirvana and and all that stuff that was popular at the time it was tough for him to make friends but he did make a couple in the army he discovered wild turkey and got addicted to cocaine. The cocaine for just a short period. He uh, forced himself to stop the cocaine because he was afraid he was losing control because apparently he really loved the cocaine. The alcohol though relaxed him and he did not stop that. In fact, he got a DUI or driving under um, influence while still enlisted on one of the bases. He did try to rein in the alcohol use, But not because, you know, of his health or anything like that, but he was afraid he would let things slip, you know, things he didn't want others to know about him. So, Courtney, we've seen that most of the serial killers we've studied has had some sort of substance abuse problem. Why do you think that is?
0: Now, there's a strong correlation between, like, psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder and substance abuse, You know, some people use alcohol or drugs as a way of self medicating in order to deal with, you know, past trauma or maybe other like co occurring mental health problems like anxiety or depression. Um, Sounds like maybe it helped Israel with some of his social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And then others find that, you know, being drunk or high offers a reprieve from the boredom that comes from just not being able to experience emotions. You know, they're seeking that excitement similar to the way that um, psychopaths often participate in really high risk behaviors because it causes them to feel something, even Mm -hmm. if it's only a little bit. Um, And, you know, for those who don't fall under the pure psychopath kind of label who do experience emotions still, they may use substances as a way of kind of coping with what they've done.
1: I don't want to like be a precursor here, but I think we're gonna see that with Jeffrey Dahmer, quite possibly. I, I, so yeah, um, I I think that some of these people, maybe not Israel, because you know he might already straight up be a psychopath, but some of them don't necessarily feel proud for what they've done, what they've done, and um, haven't got, come to the place in their life where they're just like, screw it, I don't give a shit. So they are using alcohol to. Uh, to numb those feelings, I can see that.
0: Right, right.
1: So while he was finally starting to do the things that you know most Americans consider normal, he became engaged to his old girlfriend, his girlfriend in Covell, the boss's daughter. I assume it must have been through a letter writing campaign or a telephone engagement. Um, they had never had sex at the time. He lied about his desire to wait until marriage to his fiance. He did admit later on to being with at least one prostitute while serving in the army. So he was not faithful to her. Keys also discovered that he was bisexual. This he kept secret. Is there anything you want to say about Israel's secret bisexuality? His girlfriend only learned of it because she found him surfing same-sex websites online one time.
0: I would imagine um, that it would be something he struggled to come to terms with, particularly as a young man given his, you know, religious upbringing and the church's position uh, about you know any lgbtq you know relationships being sinful um and it may have been just kind of one more thing too that drove a wedge between israel and his parents particularly um his dad you know whether he was ever out to them or not just having that belief and knowing that they believed that um could have been hurtful you know And possibly also another way to kind of rebel against his parents' lifestyle.
1: I think it's quite possible he did it to rebel against them. Now that you say that, I feel like, you know, as we'll see, he does a lot to try to rebel against his parents' lifestyle. So, hey, maybe. In the year 2000, while engaged, to the gal from Washington, I don't know her name. I don't know that it was ever really said, but... um, Keys did meet another woman named Tammy online. She lived in a tiny Indian reservation near Nia Bay. I think that's how you pronounce it. N-E-A-H where Keys was stationed. She had an eight-year-old son and had a terrible childhood. Keys and her bonded over their childhood. Um, Tammy also grew up without electricity and other comforts that we take for granted. Tammy was in and out of foster homes most of her life. And by 17, she was in Alcoholics Anonymous. So they started a relationship and then discovered she was pregnant eight weeks later. At first, Keys wanted an abortion, which totally crushed Tammy. She, Tammy didn't know about his fiancé, and at this time, the fiancé did not know about Tammy. Mm-hmm. So in 2001, um, Keys's fiancé in Coville came out and visited Israel on the base and confronted him on kind of his odd behavior over the past few months. They broke up shortly after this. So then Keys went back to Tammy, and now he was on board with having a baby especially a baby born out of wedlock who was part native and part black because that's what Tammy was and um, all of this again could be contributing to the rebellion that he was having against his parents so so Courtney uh, Keyes's parents were anti-government in all forms and yet here he is their son voluntarily enlisting and somehow getting in without documentation to the army Army, excuse me. He then gets engaged to the girl they forbade him from seeing. Then he impregnates a different woman who is half black and half indigenous. All of this seems like a big fuck you to his parents. Do you have any psychological insight you'd like to share?
0: Well, I do think that, you know, upsetting his parents was probably part of the appeal and a nice handy bonus to all of these decisions. Um, I doubt really that that was the whole explanation. And so, you know, by this time, he was living away from his family and had been basically disowned by his father. Um, And so their immediate reactions to what he was doing wouldn't really be observable anyway. When it comes to the military, now, I would posit that much of that appeal would be the idea of being kind of paid to shoot guns and potentially kill people without negative consequences. That would be very appealing um, to a guy like Israel, right? Right. Um, and he also probably would have been drawn into the structure and the routine of military life. It was so different from the life he was raised in, and we mm-hmm. come to see later the nomadic lifestyle he had, right? Yeah, and you come to see, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more that he's very meticulous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would probably feel like a good fit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, then, as for his relationships, you know, Israel likely got engaged because it was kind of like what people do, um, and possibly for the very simple reason of being able to have sex once they were married. Um, And now, of course, Israel didn't wait that long, as we know, um, because once he was out from under the influence of his family and the church, he was finally able to act on his basic impulses without facing shame or disapproval. And, you know, we can't at any point forget that, you know, I believe he is a psychopath. And ultimately, psychopaths generally just do whatever they want without considering other people's emotions.
1: So a little later on, um, Keyes was honorably discharged from the army, and he and Tammy moved into a house on the reservation. He's got a job with the parks department and tried to be a good stepdad to his new stepson. He had, she had the 8-year-old son. He really tried to make the young boy feel welcome. And I wonder if that has something to do with his upbringing and being parentified at such a young age. Courtney, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I would say that his upbringing played probably a big role in his treatment of children. He was basically an experienced parent already um, after helping raise all the, you know, 10 of his siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and his feeling different from others and rejected by his father would give him insight into how his new stepson might be feeling. He was also smart enough to know that being kind to the boy would probably help gain favor with
1: Tammy and her family as well. True. So during the day when Keys was not at work, he was a control freak, so when he was home. He insisted he do all the household chores himself, and he was meticulous in all the upkeep. Um, that part of him, I can appreciate him. <laughs> Just joking. Okay. But at the end of the day, Israel would drink on average. This was a nightly thing. He would drink a six pack of beer, a fifth of bourbon and a bottle of wine every night. Uh, when he was drunk, he would sometimes say things to Tammy, like I have a black heart and I'm a bad person, etc. She didn't understand it because he didn't seem that way to her. Um, it was also at this time that keys started to get into satanic symbolism and got an inverted cross cauterized on his chest and a pentagram tattooed on his neck courtney what do you think's happening here it's almost like israel is maybe trying to find his true self do you think he was having any sort of regrets based upon his drunken ramblings to tammy or do you think he was just being matter of factual and that's just what he is any diagnosis uh you want to explore
0: I think that Israel Keys kind of knew exactly who he was and understood that darkness inside him, including that it was not something he could show to other people. But as we know, alcohol reduces inhibition, so Israel, when drunk, just wasn't as careful as he would be when he was sober, and was likely just kind of saying his thoughts out loud, kind of factually. And again, you know, tying back to his childhood religion, which clearly delineated between good and evil, Israel may have been trying on the idea of Satanism as a way of trying to explain the, you know, quote, bad parts of himself. You know, And and diagnostically, um, I would definitely give him antisocial personality disorder, which explains uh, a pattern of antisocial behaviors like theft, drug use, lack of empathy, impulsivity, etc. And it persists over time. And then as well as, you know, classify Israel as a psychopath with sadistic traits, which means that he um, receives pleasure from other people's pain. Mm -hmm. And then I also think it could be useful to consider obsessive compulsive disorder, um, you know, given his propensity for perfection, orderliness, and kind of that organization. Um, And this also kind of becomes more plausible and you know, think could be explained more as we learn more about his methods of killing as we keep going on with his story.
1: So, OCD
0: or obsessive
1: compulsive um, disorder. Wh- what does that usually? Why does that usually come about? Is that just another mystery of mental illness, or um, can you give a little insight? Because this is the first time we've we've seen you diagnose someone with this possible disorder.
0: Yeah, so obsessive-compulsive disorder um, is considered an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's not really, like, a clear explanation in terms of, like, why it happens or how it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, it can maybe start out as overcompensating for, you know, living in a really chaotic kind of environment. Mm -hmm. People find comfort in order and cleanliness and organization um and so potentially you know Keyes' upbringing not knowing if he's going to live in a cabin or a tent or outside you know could
1: have sort of spurred i almost think it should be called obsessive control disorder
0: (laughs) i mean control is a big part of (laughs) it right right um the idea right is with obsessive compulsive disorder you have obsessions which Mm. are intrusive thoughts that you can't get rid of, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, And then in order to cope with those intrusive thoughts or the anxiety produced by those thoughts, um, people engage in compulsive behaviors um, that, though they make no sense Mm -hmm. logically, um, kind of provide that comfort. Yeah, it makes it feel better.
1: Okay. So Israel's daughter was born on Halloween in 2002 um kind of weird but you know she was born in a hospital against israel's wishes so i guess he wasn't totally different from his parents there um so then the following month israel's dad died apparently jeff was very sick and he was traveling on a train as the family was now amish and could not fly on a plane it was a long train ride and he was deteriorating Eventually, the train crew um, grew so concerned that they basically insisted that the family get off the train and get Jeff to a hospital. There's no record of Jeff's death. There's no gravesite. There's no hospital admission. It's all very mysterious. I don't know what happened, but Israel said he had passed away. Soon after this, Tammy developed cancer and had to have a hysterectomy. So because of this, she became addicted to opiates, and Israel took over caring for their daughter. He would even braid her hair, much like he did his sisters growing up. Because Tammy was constantly doped out, Israel took advantage of that fact and um, knew that she wouldn't notice what he was doing and kind of did whatever he wanted. So just a little foreshadowing here. There was a lot of time. When Israel was doing things that we don't know what and Tammy wasn't able to remember. So I'm getting a little Harvey Kerrigan vibe here. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 2004, Keys decided to end things with Tammy. And I think part of it was her drug addiction and they were fighting and all that. Um, He did get full custody and he took his daughter and moved away. He started dating, Kim- <clears throat> excuse me, Kimberly Anderson in 2005, and in 2007 she got a job in Anchorage, Alaska, and they all moved together to Alaska. So Courtney, how can somebody like Keys, who has no emotion or empathy for others, have such a strong connection with his daughter?
0: You know, it is common for serial killers to have children and seemingly what looks like normal feelings for those children. Um, You know, some of our previous subjects have been parents, although less involved generally with their kids than Keys was. Um, But for him, you know, taking care of a younger person would feel very normal. And he already had the skills he needed to be a good dad to his daughter since, you know, he did it all through his growing up. And additionally, there's kind of a different type of bond that psychopaths can have towards like their biological family or children for partners um not necessarily one based on love since love isn't really something they can feel but more based on possession right like so to keys and you know other um psychopaths children are in a way like property that belongs to them and therefore they deserve to be cared for and protected that's very interesting i had no idea Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so this is going to now take a bit of a turn from our usual rundown of of murders. Typically, we take you chronologically through the kills, but in this case, there wasn't a serial killer that was actually being hunted by the police. The authorities didn't know that a series of random killings over several years and several thousands of miles and in several states were actually tied together to one murderer. So Israel Keys was an enigma, right? So I'm going to start at the end of his spree in Anchorage, Alaska. Wednesday night, February 1st, 2012. A young barista by the name of Samantha Koenig was kidnapped from her place of work by a man in a mask. So Samantha worked as a barista at a coffee kiosk called Kiosk called Common Grounds, which is a, is a clever name. It's a drive-through coffee stand. We have them in Oregon, um, but I know they don't have them, in, or they didn't used to have them in the East Coast. They're not everywhere. So basically you just drive up, you order your coffee, usually just one person, maybe two, is working, and then you drive off there in parking lots. Um, Samantha was working by herself. She was working the late shift, and she you could see through the cameras um, that she served a walk up customer around 5 p.m. So, Israel was that customer. And in the video, you, he pointed a gun at Samantha. Well, he points something, you see her hands go up, told her to turn off the lights, so she does, and climbed through the kiosk window where he then zip tied her. And eventually, after several minutes, escorts are out of the kiosk. So you can go on YouTube and you can look up this whole thing. There is no audio, but you can see the video of all this happening. Um, it is—it's bold of Israel to attempt a kidnapping. It's a 5 p.m. at night. It's in a public place. There's a gym nearby. I think it's like on a freeway. Um, anyhow, he did. Some sources report that Samantha attempted to escape. While walking to Israel's car, but Israel was able to recapture her, he calmed her down by repeating that he only wanted money, he wasn't going to kill her. Um, Israel then took her to his house, put her in a shed on his property, and he turned up the music really loud so that no one could hear her. He then decided he wanted her debit card, and he needed her phone. So her phone was at the copy kiosk. so he went back and got that. Her debit card, though, was in her boyfriend's car at the house. So he went in there, broke into the car, and got that. While he was breaking into the car, he almost got caught. Her boyfriend heard him, came outside, but he evaded capture. So he sent a text through Samantha's phone to her boyfriend, telling him she was going to go away for a few days. They were in a fight, and it was just some text that's I'm mad at you, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. The next day, she was reported missing by her dad. And then after that, no one heard uh, for, no one heard anything for three weeks so Courtney Israel is being very bold what do you think's going on with him you expressed that you thought he was a psychopath do you think Israel was taking a high from doing something in in so much in the open and during daylight hours and what do you think
0: yeah um I guess one just thing to note is that in Alaska um in the winter daylight hours are like two hours a day yeah so it's it could have been time dark
1: but yes, I don't know <laughs> what t- I don't know what time of the year. Oh wait, what did we say it was
0: wasn't in February? February. Okay, yeah, but that's just an aside. Yeah, um, I did I did
1: think of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, so I was reading um, this piece by Dr. Al Carlisle, who's a psychologist who kind of did some of the psychological testing on Ted Bundy and some of the other um, like prominent killers and that existed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he talked about uh, how the ability of serial killers to compartmentalize their like murderous and sexual fantasies from their, quote, real life, um, can slowly kind of dissolve the more they engage in acting out these fantasies, a.k.a. by killing people. Um, and this happens kind of the same way that the urges to kill become more frequent and intense with each murder, which we've sort of talked about before. Mm-hmm. So for Keys, what might be happening here is a combination of both, right? So he was experiencing very strong urges to make a kill, and sort of the limit or boundary that he'd previously clung to obsessively about not acting close to home was maybe starting to get fuzzy and gray. Um, and so while he he would know that this was dangerous for him with a higher risk of being caught. It likely would also have been kind of even more arousing and exciting mm-hmm. all at the same time.
1: Right. That's kind of what I was thinking because, yeah, it's a it's speaking that high. And as with any addict, the more you do something, the more you need to get that same level of fulfillment.
0: Right. And the more maybe, like, the stronger the urge mm-hmm. or... Um, the more often you've been using so to speak that like desperation to get the fix gets more
1: right okay well um on the 24th Dwayne samantha's boyfriend got a text from samantha's phone that said quote connor park sign under pick of albert ain't she purdy p-u-r-t-y Connor Park wasn't far from their house, so when they got there, under a picture of Albert, who was a missing dog, was a note with photocopied Polaroids of Samantha inside of a Ziploc bag. One picture had her mouth duct taped, and her face was made up, and her hair was braided, and her head was held up by a man's arm, with a newspaper dated February thirteenth, two 2012, in the frame. So remember, she went missing on the 1st. This picture um, with the newspaper is for the purpose of showing that Samantha's alive, you know, at the time. So I've googled this picture and I don't see the duct tape or the braids. But the book that we um, have been using for most of our research said that there were multiple Polaroids in the baggie. So I don't know if maybe the internet picture is different than the one that I've also heard about. I'm not sure, or maybe you can see something I don't. I don't know. Along with the I couldn't pic- see it yeah, either. I- so along with the pictures was a note demanding 30000 to be put into Dwayne's and Samantha's account. Now what jumped out at me is they're 18 years old and they have joint checking but whatever that's beside the point but <laughs> at this time it became a federal crime as it was now for sure kidnapping with the ransom and the FBI got involved. So Money was deposited into the account. I think they just put 5000 in there. And um, the, Fed, the feds worked with the banks to let them know as soon as a withdrawal was made. So as soon as a withdrawal was made, there would be a ping saying, you know, this card was used here. They would dispatch people. So the first withdrawals were made in Alaska, but at some point they started happening in other states, Arizona, New Mexico, several in Texas. Um, The pictures that the ATM would capture were always of a man with a mask, but a few times you could see a white Ford Focus in the background. So a bolo went out in several cities um, and states for this type of car, and a very intuitive cop in Texas saw a white Ford Focus and thought, hmm, maybe this is the car and followed that car until it made a traffic infraction. And he then pulled the car over. Well, lo and behold, the driver was from Alaska, which is where the Bolo, you know, originated from. And the car was searched and Samantha's debit card and cell phone were found along with some other um, nefarious items. But Samantha was not there. So Israel Keyes was arrested and charged with fraud for using the card and taken into custody. So ironic, as we have seen multiple times that these killers end up getting taken into custody over traffic violations. So Courtney, do you have any final thoughts for today? Um, I guess first things first, just use your
0: blinkers, people. It's not that hard. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, Israel Keyes had such a unique life and there is still so much that we just don't know about him. I I would really love to know more about his military service for example particularly like any psychological mm-hmm. evaluations they may have you know had done while he was enlisted I think there's probably a lot during that time period that continued to shape him into the particular type of psychopath that he became and I just wish I knew what happened
1: Yeah and I don't think you're ever going to st- see those um, nope profiles
0: i mean the fbi couldn't even really look right. at
1: them yeah so well so this is where we're going to stop t- today um next week we're going to get into what israel revealed while he was in custody which is how these other murders were even found um or bodies or what it, it it's crazy um, it is crazy how meticulous he was and how well thought out his plans were and how patient he was i mean this what he did to samantha in his where he was living is actually i feel like out of character compared to all of the other stuff he did Mm -hmm. so which is probably why that's the one he got caught exactly you took a chance man Mm -hmm. um so anyhow we are going to stop there and we'll pick up next week and um please as always like comment follow tell your friends we appreciate all of you be safe Yes. And um, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.